Welcome, dear listeners, to a new ESICM podcast. Your host for today is Ana Maria Iwan. I am a critical care doctor at Fundación Jiménez Díaz University Hospital in Madrid, Spain. Today we have with us a special guest. Nicole Hanfeld is a critical care pharmacist and clinical pharmacologist specialized in therapeutic drug monitoring, the green intensive care and pharmacological research. The reason she is with us today is the Green ICU project initiated by the ESICM regarding sustainability in critical care. Welcome, Nicole. Yes, thank you. Good to be here and nice to talk about this important topic. So, Nicole, would you give us an example of um, how did uh, climate change directly affected uh, you and uh, your teamwork at the hospital? Yeah, I think with regard to the climate change, it really depends where you live and where you work in Europe. I think in the Netherlands, we're still fine. We don't have many heat strokes, etc. But what we really notice is that nurses come to us and they tell us, okay, at home I recycle, I go on my bike, um, I have solar panels on my roof, and then I enter the hospital. It's all white, sterile, many plastics, single use. So they really tell us like, okay, the difference between being at home, taking care of the planet, taking your responsibility and working in a hospital is too big at the moment. So they come for help. And we really had this discussion many times. And I think it's a very good topic where you, we can really support the nurses in working in a more sustainable way. Um, and given the situation, What were the actions that you started taking in order to fix it? What we did a couple of years ago is that we started a material flow analysis. This means that we analyzed all the streams of products and materials that enter the ICU are being used and are being disposed. So we now know which hotspots we have in the ICU and what things that we need to change as soon as possible. And we started a green team together with a lot of nurses, infection prevention, someone from procurement and all students also that join my project. They are always welcome to join the green team. So it is the first time, I think, uh, in our podcast that uh, the concept of green team is introduced. Could you please tell us more about it? Yes, what we are trying to do with our green team is um, we start small projects and it can be something really easy or really small. That doesn't really matter. And um, we, if we think that the nurse has a good idea or they say, okay, why do we use a sterile packaging and we don't need one or whatsoever, then we try to change it as soon as possible. So then we ask the nurse to help us. Um, we discuss how we can implement the change and how we communicate the change. We also try to come up with numbers. How many do we use? What does it cost? And if we are lucky, we know the environmental damage as well and we report it in the ICU. We have TV screens and we put the message on it as well. And this is really cool because what you see in the beginning, they were a bit like, hmm, what's going on? What happens here? Environment, what, what's, what's in it for me? And now they really know that they can help. So if I round in the ICU and now they come up with ideas, and they go, oh, do you know uh, that uh, we can change maybe this because that's better for the environment? And I said, well, that's a really good idea. I'll take it back to the green team and I will let you know what comes out of this idea. So it's a lot of fun doing this together. And are there any extra ICU members in this team? Um, from the ICU itself, we have one intensivist because I always want the medical side to be in there. So the medical perspective is really important. 
we have one of the managers from the nursing staff because she knows the person that can help or she knows exactly what happens on the ward and also with the nursing staff. We have infection prevention. I think most of the times two or three people are available from our, in the meeting itself. And sometimes we need specific data from procurement. And then we have one person that we can always ask, okay, do you have numbers and what does it cost, etc. And sometimes we ask a company or a student to join. It really depends on the topic. And what was the first reaction of your team when the initiative started? In the beginning, they were feeling a bit strange, like, huh? why, what happens? Um, why, why do you ask me what I want to change? But because we had the material flow analysis, we had the data. So in the teaching sessions with the nurses, we did like maybe eight teaching sessions or so because we would really reach out to everybody. Um, they really saw what, what they do because we are able to show them that they use 108 gloves per day, 34 infusion bags, 12 meters of plastic hose or whatsoever every day. So with these numbers, you could see them think, hmm, that these products, that's the stuff that I am using every day. So I'm the one that touches it, that uses it, that throws it away. So you could see the, really see, see their mind switch at that time. And that was really great. And then, then they opened up and I was really able to ask them, okay, but what do you want to change? Or, and then they said, oh yeah, well, I know so many things that are not sustainable. We could easily change it. I said, well, fine, let's go for it. But this took me maybe one to two, two years. It's not that easy. I need a lot of talking to get it within their mind to create another mindset. So mentality change is the most difficult part, I yeah. understand. Yes. You are talking <clears throat> about the workflow analysis. From your numbers so far, what is the results that most stroke you? I think the gloves, mainly because we spill a lot of gloves because the box that we have is terrible. If you take one out, if you try to take a glove out, then 10 come out. Um, so uh, that was a thing that one of the students, she told me like, why do you accept a product that doesn't work? And I think that was basically the best question ever because we all do. And then everybody starts nodding if you tell them, oh, the, the, the box is not okay. Yes, yes, everybody recognizes this problem, but we never complain, we still use them. So that was a, a good one. Um, one other big thing is that um, we have a lot of CRT patients in my ICU and I think the packaging that comes with the CRT bag and the bag itself is huge. And if you use, let's say, 12 bags per day, per 24 hours, you have like a big pile of plastic and the packaging stays out of the box. So we figured if we can recycle these bags, that will really be uh, of big impact, they have a big impact. And uh, we started this recycling program for the bags and this is really successful. And it's also something that's for the nurses really easy. They don't have to do extra work. They just keep the, the packaging outside the box and whenever they have time, they throw it away. I have a curiosity. Are patients and families involved in this project? Well, at the moment, not yet. Um, we did some interviewing. We asked uh, our medical students to interview patients. And what we notice is that patients that are really critically ill or the family of a critically ill patient at this moment, they are not interested in sustainability. The other side of the medal is that patients that come to the hospital more frequently, like dialysis patients or uh, patients that get infusion therapy on a regular basis, they um, can pretty much tell us what needs to be changed. So there's a difference, I think, between these groups of patients. 
And we still have to find, have to find out if we can do something with ICU patients, uh, but at the moment it's not on top of our list. We'll see what happens there. When you said it took you two years to, to gather the green team together, so once you manage it, what were the main challenges? The main challenges at the moment are if you want to implement a change, you have to do follow-ups. Because we started with the CRT bags, but what sometimes happen, sometimes happens is that gloves end up in this bag and they're not allowed in there because then the waste uh, man manager will not take the bag. So we have to make sure that we follow up on our implementations. We have to repeat communication and we have to motivate people sometimes to recycle, to keep on going. That's, I think, the, the biggest challenge. So far, from what you have uh, obtained, do you think ICU clinicians are going to be able to reduce CO2 emissions? Yes, I think they can, because there are so, so many opportunities and it's also low-hanging fruit. One of the examples is if you use a laryngoscope, do you want a reusable one, a partly reusable one, or a single-use one? It's up to you to decide what's best. And I think if you also take into account the environmental, in, environmental impact of such a therapy or treatment, then you can make a decision that's good for the patient, because of course it has to be safe, but it's also good for the environment. And it's also the intensivists that do this. You use the material so you know exactly what happens there. And you can also make the change. Apart from uh, the human factor, and I think the Netherlands uh, is one of the countries in uh, which uh, this subject is a hot topic, Artificial intelligence is a real part of our lives already and um, it is something that um, it is present and we will not be able to change it. What do you think about the sustainability of AI? Well, from I think data management perspective, AI uh, is not, not that sustainable. There are already some reports, not only for him, from healthcare, but a bit uh, beyond. Um, so I think if we use AI on one side, and that has its own environmental impact, we have to make a reduction on the other side. I don't know the answer yet, but I think we have to uh, make sure that we, we use less material or whatsoever to be able to use AI. Because we cannot move towards a situation where the environmental impact uh, will increase. That's not possible at the moment. We, we don't have planet B. So we have to make sure if we change something and it has an impact that on the other hand, we decrease on the other side. All the green efforts that we are making today are directed towards a better future for the next generations. What can you recommend to young intensivists to do? Each time if you do a procedure or you're helping a patient, there should be a voice in your mind telling you, hmm, do I really need all this stuff or can I just let go of a little bit and uh, just do it with one thing instead of two. And also be really uh, aware that the nurses check what you are doing. So you can be the leading example. They look at you and they will follow. So if you move to a, into a sustainable direction or into a sustainable way of working, I, can, I think they will see it and they will uh, see you as a role model. So I think you can really use it and think of your kids because they need to be able to live on this planet as well. Are there any take-home messages that you would wish to transmit? Well, I think it's our generation that has to make the change. Like I said, there is no planet B and there are so many opportunities in the ICU. So uh, with, even with small steps, you can 
uh, make impact. And I think that's really important. I think it's also the most important message. Thank you, Nicole, for uh, accepting our invitation for the podcast. And uh, I hope we see you soon in our uh, next uh, interview. Thank you. Be glad.